I've had a, a number of folks ask me over the last few weeks, some of you that have been a part of the church for a few years now, uh, when am I, I leaving for um, Kentucky this year? Because the last three summers, as many of you know, I've spent a month away um, continuing my education there in Kentucky. Uh, this is the first summer I'm not doing that. I'm not going to Kentucky this year. Um, but I feel like I'm ready to now. Um, it, it just fits the banjo and, and, and everything. Just, just seems like I've, I've been set up to go. But uh, it's, it's nice to... What's that? Bye-bye. You leaving? Okay. I'm leaving. No, I'm not going into Kentucky. But, uh, but anyway, it's, it's nice to, uh, to change things up every once in a while and to worship and, and to do some different things as we, uh, you know, the, the many ways in which we can lift our, our voices to the Lord and praise the Lord and, and worship together. So, so I hope you've kind of enjoyed that. And if you're here for the first time, you don't know that that's a change. But that's a little different than we normally do it, and it's been wonderful. This morning, for our uh, scripture reading, I'm going to uh, turn to Peter's letter, his second letter. Second Peter, the first chapter, verses um, 12 through 21, and then we're going to reference some of the things I believe that Peter draws on for his, his word and, and the words that he's inspired by God to share with us today. So again, hear these words, Second Peter, chapter 1, beginning at verse 12. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you knew them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure you will always be able to remember these things. For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the Mount Majestic Glory, saying, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on that sacred mountain. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable. And you will do well to pay attention to it. Or some translations may say to listen to it. As to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in human will. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, pray God's blessing here on the reading of his word. Let's pray. Lord, help us to hear, to pay attention, to be open to your speaking, your voice, your spirit. As we worship in so many ways, let us be receptive to the way you would shape us into the very image and likeness of Christ our Lord. For it is in his name we pray. Amen. On, I think it was Tuesday night, um, Tony and Cassidy and I went um, to the movies. Uh, Ryan's away as he's been for a few weeks, our son. And uh, so the three of us went to the movies and we went and saw uh, Inside Out. 
the, the Disney uh, Pixar movie, if you've seen that. I know some of you have. And, and I'm not going to get into the movie, but, but one of the things it talks about is it, it focuses on memory. And it, it talks about these kind of core memories, these memories that we all have that, that really kind of shape and, and stick with us, I think. That's how I'm going to roughly interpret a core memory. It's those things that, that have significant impact on our lives. And um, with that in mind, I, I was reflecting this week on one of my core memories, and it happened when Cassidy, our, our daughter, was about two months old. And it was the first night that Tony left Cassidy in my care by myself. <laughs> now, as many of you know, some of you don't, we have an older son. So I had been through this. This wasn't my first rodeo, so to speak. Um, but it was the first time that, that Tony was leaving Cassidy for the evening. She was going back. She was the choir director at the church we were at in Oldsmar. So Tony was going to choir practice, and she left me with Cassidy. And I kid you not, from the moment she put that little girl in my arms to the moment three hours later when she came home, Cassie screamed and cried the entire time. There was nothing I could do to make her stop. I tried feeding her. I burped her. I changed her. I dragged her. I did everything I could think of to try to... So, I mean, it was one of those nights that I was pulling my hair out. I was calling Tony repeatedly. When are you coming home? When are you coming home? When are you coming home? And uh, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't figure out what the problem was. And I can remember thinking as I looked at my precious little girl... I can't wait until you're able to speak and tell me what the problem is. I can't wait till you're able to use your words. I've since thought better about that prayer. I'm teasing, I'm teasing. She was in the first service, I said that to her too. But, but the point was, no matter how well um, we can communicate non-verbally through our you know, uh, looks and body language and those kind of things, nothing communicates as clearly as our ability to use words. It's that unique human experience that, that we have this ability to form language and to communicate very precisely and very specifically with one another. And when children start to, to grow up and, and start to develop those skills as, as toddlers, I mean, that becomes a familiar phrase for parents or grandparents or caregivers as they're, they're beginning to, to learn this skill of language. And we'll repeat that phrase very, very often. Use your words. Use your words to communicate your thoughts and, and your feelings and, and your expressions. And that's part of development. That's part of growth. That's part of maturity. It is interesting to me that in a world in which we are inundated with technology, technology that is all around us that, that shapes and, and moves and, and governs our world, that the technology is still, I think, very much in infancy stages, though it may not feel that way to us. And the reason I say that is because technology is progressing in some of the same ways that a human being matures. And that is technology has begun to... In, incorporate words. We speak to our technology. We speak to our phones. We speak to our appliances. We speak to our cars. And it is learned to recognize, or the technology has been, I guess, um, created, maybe not learned as much, that it responds to our voices and speaks back. 
and guides and instructs and directs. I mean, we have taken this technology for granted. It would not startle anybody, I don't believe, you know, to know. Nobody's shocked when they hear a phone give a command or if you're in somebody's house and an appliance was to, to talk back, so to speak. I don't think anybody would be terribly shocked by that. Go back about 20 years. How shocking would that have been then? You know, technology grows and it develops. And we have things like um, speech, uh, let's see, speech, um, interpretation, um, and recognition interface on our devices. Speech, interpretation, and recognition interface. Anybody know what that is? That's Siri. That's Siri. That's the, uh, those of you with Apple phones and even those of us who don't have Apple phones. I mean, we're, we're familiar with this, the ability to to talk and, and to hear. Siri actually Norwegian, and it means, I'm not making this up, beautiful woman who leads us to victory. That's, uh, I don't know that that has any connection with why they named it Siri, but, uh, but, but we kind of identify, we even kind of humanize these voices. Uh, in England, they have the, uh, Daniel, and in Australia, it's Karen. Um, I think Microsoft has Cortana. There's, there's all kinds of names. How many of you named your early GPS devices or phones? Anybody do that? A few of you? Yeah, okay, there's a few of you sheepishly raising your hand. We named ours Sally. That was our first one. We don't even know why we named it Sally anymore. Anybody want to share what you named yours? Vivian. Why? You just liked it. Vivian, anybody else want to share? Okay. I have, um, and... and um, some of the, I picked this up on, online. I've, I've got uh, one of the apps that I use for, for navigation now. It's called Waze. And mine, I use the um, Arnold Schwarzenegger voice. So I have an Arnold Schwarzenegger voice that talks to me. And the, the, the point of it is, is that we respond best to, I think, to language, to voice. And our, our phones kind of guide and they direct. I mean, our kids are growing up in a time when they have no concept, many of them, on how to use a map, a fold-out map that we keep, and some of you still keep in your, the wells of the car. We still have it in our car. I don't know why. I can't tell you the last time I used it because we have, we have an app for that. And, and the days of going to AAA before a trip and getting a trip tick. You remember those? I mean, those, those, I'm not saying that they don't do that anymore, but it's, it's no longer. Now we, we plug in the destination, and I have a, a phone holder we just got that we can put on the dash of the car, and that way it's eye level, and you can just kind of plug in where you're going and let it talk you through because we respond that way, and we allow technology to navigate our lives in some ways. Well, the spoken word has always been central to the human experience. In fact, it's always been central to the very creation of the cosmos. In Genesis chapter 1, we read that into the nothingness, when God began to create, God spoke. That's the repetitive phrase in Genesis chapter 1. God spoke, and he, created the, and he separated the light from the darkness, the land from the seas. God spoke and into, into existence became all the things that are. And the high grace note of God's creation, God spoke life and created in his image man and woman. And we are part of that, that the grace note of God's speech, the song of God's heart, if you will. But God spoke. And that has been central to our experience of God throughout 
the, the narrative of the Scriptures, Genesis to Revelation, those who heard and responded to God's voice, all the way up until the Gospels, when John begins by saying, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and then he goes on to say, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus himself is the embodiment of the perfect voice of God. And when Jesus himself is baptized in the early, uh, early chapters of each of the Gospels, but in, in Matthew it says that after he came out of the water, the Holy Spirit came down upon him like a dove, and he heard the voice of God that said, This is my Son, who I love. In him I am well pleased. God's voice has always been central to the experience of, of God's people, even in and through his Son, Jesus. Now, Peter, this morning in the text that I read in 2 Peter chapter 1, this written kind of at the, at the end of Peter's life, he references that speaking of God. He references hearing the voice of God. He calls it that majestic uh, moment, that sacred mountain, if you will. And what Peter is referring to is an encounter in Matthew chapter 17. We talked about this a few weeks ago, if you were with us in worship, the Mount of Transfiguration in which Jesus goes on that mountain. He takes Peter and James and John with him, and it's there he encounters Elijah, and it's there he encounters Moses. It's when Peter wanted to build the tents and kind of stay on the mountain. But Peter says those same words that Jesus had heard at his baptism. They heard God speak. It was the affirmation for Peter of who Jesus was because they heard these words, the same words that, that God had spoken previously. This is my son, who I love, in him I am well pleased. But there's an addition in Matthew 17. There's a phrase that gets added to the voice that, uh, that God speaks into that moment that he hadn't spoken before. This is my son, who I love. In him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Now, now understand, that is added not for Jesus' sake, but for the sake of Peter and for James and for John. God is affirming that in Christ I have spoken. And your call to those disciples, the call to the rest of the disciples, the call to all who will follow Jesus, the call to us remains the same today. Discipleship simply boiled down is our ability, our willingness to listen to Him. That is what we're called to do. And God has created with us a spirit that can be nurtured in such a way to facilitate our ability to hear. In fact, I called it the importance of a good VRT. VRT stands for Voice Recognition Technology. That's the umbrella term for all these fancy devices that are able to respond to the, to the command of a human voice and to speak back in an audible human language. Voice recognition technology, well, we're equipped with that to hear a more significant voice, to hear a more important voice in our journey and in our walk with Christ. But it must be nurtured. We must be intentional about that. It doesn't happen automatically very often. Every once in a while, there is a Paul kind of story where somebody who's not even searching for the voice of God will hear the voice of God. But for most of us, it happens in an intentional relationship with Christ. I think it is significant uh, that in Matthew 
chapter 3, I believe, when Jesus is baptized, it's very clear that the only person who heard the voice of God was Jesus. Jesus heard the voice. But there's no indication that anybody else heard that voice. In Matthew 17, the same voice speaks, only this time, James and Peter and John, they hear it. And certainly they were called and they were invited into that presence because Jesus understood they had developed the ears to hear. But I think they had developed that because they'd been in a relationship with Jesus. They had spent time with Jesus. They'd heard him teach. They'd seen his miracles. They'd spent, they'd broke bread together. They were in a covenant, if you will, with Christ and an intentional growth. And if we're going to learn how to hear, if we're going to learn how to, to listen and be receptive to the voice of God, it has to be an intentional desire upon our hearts. And so for us, the challenge becomes, how do we do that? What, what needs to happen? Because we use that language all the time. I use it. You've heard other people use it. I heard God speak. I think nothing is, I wouldn't say nothing, but there's few things that are more confusing to those outside of faith than when we talk about hearing God speak because the natural assumption is that we heard that an audible voice. We heard kind of like Moses does at the burning bush when he has a conversation and he can hear God speak. And, and let me say, sometimes that happens. Some of you have shared with me your stories and your moments where you have heard an audible voice of God. And I don't um, discount that or refute that in any sense or in any way. I believe that does happen. But I will tell you, quite honestly, I've never had it happen to me. I've never heard God that clearly and that um, mysteriously or that mystically. But I've heard God speak a lot. I've heard and responded to the voice of God in many, many ways as, as God has spoken into my life. But that happens in internal promptings of the Spirit. It happens in the voice of others who speak into my life. I have heard an audible voice. Sometimes it's your voice that I've heard God speak through. But, but it does happen. But the, the key is that we have to be intentional about that. And the first step to being, is being intentional about that is learning how to recognize that voice. You've got to learn how to recognize the voice of God. I'm here to tell you God speaks to each and all of us. We just don't always hear as he speaks. And some of that is because we've not learned how to hear his voice. Well, how do we learn to hear that voice? Well, one thing we have to do is we've got to learn how to mute other voices. Because we have a lot of uh, voices, a lot of authorities, a lot of sources that are, that are vying for our um, attention, that are demanding our, um, our ear, if you will. We're bombarded through media and technology and computers and in so many ways that we, we hear all these, a cacophony of, of voices that just, just come at us. And sometimes we have to learn how to mute those voices so we can tune into the voice that matters. There's a story that I came across of a little boy who was walking down a busy street with his grandfather. And uh, it was, uh, there was outdoor diners and cafes. People were sitting at tables eating. Um, shoppers were going back and forth. Cars were driving up and down the road. There was just that, um, that symphony of noise that we understand very often in, in busy places. And as this little boy and his grandfather are walking, his grandfather stops for a moment. And he beckons his grandson over, and they, they make their way to a, a storefront that had plants and vegetation and planters out front decorating um, the front of the store. 
And he called his grandson over, and they began to look through some of the, the shrubbery and the bushes. And when they did, his grandfather found a little bird's nest with, with baby birds that were just chirping for everything they had. And they, they kind of admired these little baby birds, but most people were oblivious to it, walking back and forth, paying no attention to the grandfather's grandson or this find that they had uncovered. Finally, the grandson looked at his grandfather and said, Grandpa, how is it that with all the noise and all the activity, how is it you heard this? The grandfather looked at him and he took a step back and he pulled some change out of his pocket and he dropped it on the sidewalk. And when the change hit the sidewalk and clattered about, everybody stopped. And walkers stopped and people were eating, looked up, and a few people paused and thought, you know, you could see their, their hesitancy. Should I go pick up the change? Everybody, for the moment, heard it. And then they returned to their business, busyness. And the grandfather looked at his grandson, and he says, this is how I heard it, because this is what it's about. It's all a matter of what you are listening for, son. It's all a matter of what you are listening for. And we need to learn how to listen to the right Thing. Listen for the right voice. And sometimes that means we have to intentionally block out some other voices. We have to, uh, we have to, to, to filter, if you will, and, and push to the side so we can begin in a relationship to hear the voice of God, to recognize that voice in that relationship. I sat um, up here on Friday, or I stood up here Friday after the, uh, the services we had here on Friday, the celebration of life. Uh, for Dot Massengale, and the place was full, and it was a beautiful service. And um, Christy and her mom, Pat, Patty, um, sang a beautiful version of, of In the Garden as part of the service. And so afterward, I was up here, and I was talking to Christy, and as everybody was out here, I was looking for Patty. And I said to her, I said, where's your mom? And she's like, well, and she started looking around, and she said to me, and it was kind of a, just a, an off-the-cuff statement, but she said, you know, I can usually hear her. I can usually hear her. No matter how many people were in here, she, was, she wasn't really looking necessarily just to find her with her eyes, but she had opened her ears because she knew the sound of her mom's voice. Now, we know what that's like. There are people in your life, children, parents, spouses, um, siblings, who no matter how crowded it is, you can pick their voice out. You can find it. You can identify it. And it's because you're in a relationship with them. We nurture a relationship with Jesus. Peter, James, and John learned how to hear the voice of God in a relationship with the one who was the Word of God. And so do we. And that happens in a lot of ways. And, and I don't have time to, to, in this sermon to uncover all of them, but it happens in worship and in our time together. It happens by being intentional about having people in your life who are committed to Christ, who can speak into your life, having mentors in faith, that you can confide to, that you can share with, that you can be open with, who can speak into your life. That is very often how we nurture that relationship with God as we nurture a relationship with those who walk in the way of God. Not perfect people, because you're not going to find any of them, but faithful people. We do that. And I want to tell you the other way, I think, that we need to be real intentional Christians, those of you that, that have made that commitment in your life. You need to know this book. You need to know these stories. It is not simply out of habit that every Sunday that we worship, we read from the Scriptures. Because you don't have to be the, the deepest theological mind. You don't have to understand all the theological truths. None of us do. But it is important that you're familiar with the stories. 
because the stories help us to understand the nature of who God is, especially the Gospels, especially stories of the church that patterned their life and followed in the example and sought to follow in the way of Jesus because those stories help us to filter out the voices we don't need to hear. They help us to understand when we are hearing accurately and faithfully from the Word of God, from the voice of God. This is what I mean by that. Here's the example. I'm going to use a silly example, but, but, but nonetheless, I think you'll get the point. If you came up to me and we're talking after worship and you said to me, you know what, I was at Publix the other day and I was standing in line and a couple people in front of me and this, this guy suddenly just rudely came and he butted right in front of me and he took my spot and he kind of pushed me off to the side and I was so angry and I heard God speak and God told me to smack him upside its head. Okay? Okay? And you said that to me. All right? I'm going to think for a moment of my words, and I'm going to say to you something along the lines of, I don't doubt for a moment you heard a voice tell you to smack that man upside his head. But I can promise you it wasn't the voice of God. And you may say, well, how do you know that? And I'm going to go, well, let's talk about the character of God. Let's look at Jesus. Let's look at what he teaches in the Sermon on the Mount. Let's look at the very nature of how he responded to those who would do violence and harm and what he calls us and who he calls us to be. Your response, though maybe understandable, certainly was not God-inspired because God doesn't speak to us in ways that contradict the word that he has revealed to us through Jesus. It matters. The stories shape and inform us. And help us to filter out that which is not of God. That's why I say over and over. And I'll pick on them because I'm, I'm so sick of them. But that's why I'll tell you, Westboro Baptist Church is not of God. There's nothing about uh, the way of God that is consistent with their message. Nothing about Christ that is consistent with their message. They're hearing voices. They're not God's voice. Now, I don't have a market on that. None of us hear that perfectly. But God's word helps us to begin because it fosters a relationship, prayer, worship, time in the scriptures help to shape us so that we can learn to recognize God's voice. That's the first key. Here's the second key. Sometimes we've got to be quiet. Sometimes our prayer needs to be more about listening than it does speaking. Our, our, because what happens is we, we treat God sometimes like a personal assistant, like Siri. We ask a question to Siri and we expect an answer. We ask for directions and we expect to get back exactly what we want, exactly what we're looking for. But Jesus didn't come to be our personal assistant. God doesn't exist to cater to our every whim and to meet our every want. God speaks into our lives to meet us in our place of need. And sometimes God speaks those things that we're not even looking for, moves us in directions we're not even seeking. We have to learn to be quiet. And that's why so often in prayer and in our services and in various times of worship, we'll just be quiet and allow God to speak and seek to be open to allowing that Holy Spirit to move us in ways that we may not be looking for. But we have to be careful. We have a tendency. We know Jesus' call in our life is to follow him. But too often, our faith becomes, I'm going to go here and Jesus would really like it if you'd come along. If you could kind of keep up, that'd be nice. That's not discipleship. Listen to him. Go, lead, move, be as he calls and leads and calls to be. Sometimes our prayers need to be about silence and about listening to the voice of God. So we learn to recognize his voice. We learn um, to be silent. And then here is the hardest part of all. We learn to be obedient. We learn to be obedient. When we hear God speak, 
when we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit move us to respond to somebody in need, to love somebody who is hurting, to, to visit somebody who is lonely, to care for somebody who is broken, whatever it is. Because remember, God's word moves us outside of ourselves. God speaks into our need, but God uses us as the instruments of his grace and peace. We're called to do something. But the challenge for us sometimes isn't hearing God. It's being faithful to God. It's responding in obedience. There are many, many times, I'm convinced, I know in my life, and I'm sure I'm not alone, that people will say, I'm waiting for God to speak. And I'm going to tell you, sometimes that's hogwash. Sometimes you've heard God speak. You just don't want to do what you've heard. I don't want to do what I've heard. But we need to respond in obedience because here's the problem. When we do not, we begin to harden our ears, our hearts, our spirits to God's voice. I mean, you think about it in a, in a purely human way. If somebody comes to you, and maybe you've had somebody like this in your life, that constantly comes to you seeking your advice, seeking your guidance, seeking your wisdom, and you give it to them time and time again, and every time you share, and every time you open, and every time you, you give a, a, some, some instruction or share some wisdom, they do nothing with it. They ignore it. They fail to respond to it. They go, What happens? we start to close ourselves off to it. We stop offering that because there has been no response. Not that people need to be, be obedient to everything we tell them, but we recognize that, that we're meeting a wall. Well, here's, let me say clearly, I don't believe God ever gives up on us. All right, let me, let me, God never stops reaching for us. There's never a point where he's going to stop trying. But I do believe in our failure to be obedient, we begin to close ourselves off to it. We stop hearing and our hearts become hardened. God speaks, and we just don't hear. Paul, Peter reminds us, this is my son, whom I love. I, him I am well pleased. Listen to him. And we need to learn how to listen. George Bernard Shaw wrote of the play on, uh, a play on Joan of Arc. And in it, he, he recounts this interrogation with the Bishop of Canterbury and King Charles and Joan of Arc. And the Bishop of Canterbury looks at Joan and says, how do you know what you are doing is right? And she says, I always know my voices. And the king interrupted her and said, your voices, your voices, you're always talking about your voices. I am the king. Why don't your voices speak to me? And Joan looked at him and said, they do speak, but you won't listen. You won't listen. I'm afraid too many of us, and me, there's just too many times we're just not listening because we haven't been intentional in the relationship. We haven't built in moments to be still before God. And let's be honest, sometimes we're just flat out disobedient. We need to nurture that VRT, voice recognition technology, that allows us to hear from God so that we can respond to the call of God. Let's pray. Merciful Father, we, um, I think we need to start with confession. Because too often we just, um, we've crowded your voice out of our lives. We've just stopped seeking, stopped hearing, stopped responding. We've just, we've hardened our heart and, and closed our ears. Lord, thank you for the reminder you don't give up on us. You don't stop pursuing us. You don't stop speaking into our lives. Help us to use these moments as a catalyst to, to grow in that relationship, to nurture faith, 
to respond to your call, to listen to your voice, and to answer in obedience. That is our prayer. We ask it in Christ. Amen.